Welcome to the Buy Real Estate Club podcast. My guest today is a best-selling author, speaker, associate professor of the Buy Real Estate and received a doctorate degree in property valuation within the Dubai real estate market. He is widely one of the most recognized and sought after experts in the field, regularly appearing on leading media outlets within the region. He recently published one of the first academic based books on the Dubai real estate market called The Essential Guide to Dubai Real Estate Market, which has received countless plaudits from around the world from everyday property owners to global experts alike. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Dr. Michael Waters. Welcome. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for that uh, introduction. <laughs> well, it's well, well deserved. And we're going <laughs> to, it's a bit of a special episode, really. So typically on, on, on the podcast, listeners will send in questions. We answer them and, you know, go into the depth so they get a real life insight into the buy real estate market. However, today, as we've just released this book, I want to delve into each chapter of the book and ask one question around it. Um, because a lot of people listening won't understand or even know this information. Um, and in an industry, sometimes it's difficult to get hold of the trusted inf- information. This is going to be very, very interesting for them. Okay. However, like all good episodes of the Dubai Real Estate Club podcast, we start with quick fire questions. Okay. okay? Yep. So these are eight quick fire questions. No right or wrong answer. Just whatever, whatever comes to <laughs> head. So yeah. what is your favorite restaurant in Dubai? Most recently, Celavi. Oh, nice. Where's that? Is that? Uh, Sky Address Ooh. Hotel downtown. Oh, yeah, I like the address. They're good. Yep. You have to pick one main developer in Dubai to build your dream luxury house. Who do you pick? Ima. Ima. Interesting. Any particular reason? No hesitation. Uh, reputation, build quality. Um, yeah, good product. Interesting. Describe the Dubai real estate market in one word. Uh, well, it's 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 bubbling hot at the moment. It's boiling hot. I'll, I'll give you two, oh, two words. Boiling, <laughs> scorching. That's fine. Anything that's uh, temperature wise. Your favorite thing to do slash day out in Dubai when you have a day off. Oh, day off. Uh, probably just a simple beach day with the family. Yeah, kite beach. Kite beach. Yeah, yeah it's one it. of my favorite. That's yeah. my Sunday morning spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, good coffee. Your favorite Dubai area slash community. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something that isn't too close to home, but uh, no, no, we've home ones. Again, probably for the buzz, it's some somewhere like City Walks, mm. quite a nice uh, mix of quite underrated as well. Yeah. City, especially um, Dubai Harbour is quite nice. Yeah. A few a few nice places down there are starting to open up. So definitely, yeah. The one thing you love about Dubai more than anything else, the weather. Yeah, <laughs> especially in, in the summer. Yeah, uh, especially now. <laughs> well, yeah. It's getting the hotter. Weather, yeah. uh, last two. In your opinion, what's the biggest common myth about Dubai that people have who don't live here? Um, <laughs> I, not so much now, but it used to be. I used to get asked when I went back home, what music do they listen to in Dubai, which I always thought That's was a random one. an odd one. So, See, p- people always say to me, the first thing they say, oh, it's be so expensive. Yeah. And I always say, yeah, it can be. Yeah. But where I actually live, so I live out in Silicon. Yeah. And man in my wife's uh, apartment, two bed, same square footage as the one we had in Liverpool City Centre. Uh, our cost per living per month is around eight hundred pounds cheaper. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably the you know the the mindset is you know luxurious, yeah. high end, expensive. What they see on, on Instagram. Course, <laughs> yeah. It's it's there's a whole mix of of lifestyle lifestyle. Here, that's that's there. the one thing I do love about it. There's something for everyone. Yeah. 
Yes, that's that's one thing I would. That's how I would describe Dubai. It's something for yeah. every, every everyone here. Yeah, that's a better answer than mine. I'll use that <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, so last one is the Dubai property market a bubble? No. Good. I I'll tell you why when we okay, get into those questions. So we're now going to move on to uh, twelve questions, or if we, if we get through all twelve, we'll see. But each of these okay. questions for the listeners are based upon this essential guide of the buy real estate market okay so i'm just going to ask 12 and then we'll have obviously conversation off each so question one is how did dubai become a global real estate market okay so um yeah if i try and sort of if you try and get into my head a little bit of what i was so the first chapter of the book was trying to sort of pinpoint the economic forces of how did as you just said how did dubai become become this um global real estate hub and and I think when you look through that chapter the fundamentals that have driven um Dubai you know obviously the geographical location is, yeah. is one of them that's that hasn't changed and <laughs> yeah. uh, will always be a, a strong um anchor point for 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 why business is set up here why people choose to live here the 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 distance the short distance of of access to other global places is is such an important factor i think um initially when it was attracting expatriate an expatriate workforce that proximity to other places is yeah. was important um and so so you've got that free, you know the free market of of the, so you've got kind of those forces you know why do businesses set up in a city uh, and 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 sort of thrive in a city um and then i guess if you look at economics and and, and business you've got the business plan of the government you know the branding of dubai has been fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's um, you know, if you think about just one example of Emirates Airlines and its exposure globally, uh, you know, the brands that are coming from Dubai, you, you kind of they, they've they've become global um, um, names. So mm. there's that side of things, and then the general governance, so how you regulate a city, and the vision for Dubai has was always to look at other markets and learn from the mistakes, you know, of of their planning systems. The the things that I mean, there was big tours where they would look at the cities and say, "Yeah, these are the things that people like about City X or City Y. We want to create that in Dubai." So, I think that that's been a successful sure. measure, and I think that's where they're always looking. And sorry, just to finish, no, no, possibly no. now, um, you know, it's there's always that comparison, isn't it? You know, is Dubai Dubai should be doing this because a more mature market does this? But actually, I think. We're probably at a stage where other countries and other cities can learn from what Dubai Definitely. has achieved and how it's. I, th- I think it's one thing to me is such an a, one of these I believe also it's such an attractive place to live because of that. And mm. you saw the, the, some of the greatest global leaders of all time. I believe you know the the, the people who built Dubai, mm. you know, well, Highness will go down in history as one of the greatest global leaders ever to have lived mm. i just their vision and the way they execute it the efficiency they do i think is just that's one that attracted me here it's just yeah. you just be, you believe in it i think it's yeah. you look at other good governments i know we have a bit different in terms of the way it's, it's structured but the uk and the the uproar though that sort of stuff and dubai's ran very very differently yeah but just people here seem to just be on board with where it's going and the vision and there's a kind of like a harmony mm. Yeah, so that first first chapter of the book is kind of trying to show the historical development, but also look a little bit to the future and of see course. where, of, of course, 2040 
is is yeah. the new blueprint of what Dubai will look like. I'm sure so, there'd be another one be beyond there. Yeah. Well, of course there would be, but there's that gives that gives investors and 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 the real estate stakeholders a lot more confidence when you can start to actually see how the city's going to be mapped out. Which prior to, I mean, there's there's been six or seven master plans in Dubai, but yeah. um, I think more importantly, you know, we can st we've seen it evolve. We've seen it. It's got to a critical mass now that mm. is attractive, and and again we hear time and time again about how how great the city is and and the diversity of of housing choice, the diversity of places to go, yes. um, the diversity of the people in the city. For They're sure. all big, you know, draws to multinational companies that need all of those things to to work for their talent pool. I would say you've got everything in one place. Yeah, plus more. <laughs> I completely <laughs> there agree. You go. So, uh, what is the current Dubai and UAE property market performance, and some of the key characteristics around that? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Again, again, moving moving through the discussion, it was kind of thinking, just mapping out what is what is the Dubai real estate comprising? Where's the investment activity, and the um, the weighting of that predominantly being on the residential market versus the commercial market, yeah. and then discussing. Um, factors as to why that residential sector of the market has been so popular mm. and the challenges and the opportunities that exist within within the commercial setting so that um obviously that's been cyclical like any any real estate market we're kind of entering the third real estate cycle in dubai um okay. on the upside of that cycle so um the pr the two previous cycles have been fairly have been fairly different. The first one was very speculative led. Um, you know, any new market, you're testing price points, you're yep. testing product. You, you're going to have different types of investment mentalities. Mm. Um, you know, the developers in the second cycle really anchored into affordability and building the city uh, as a, as a, as a, as, a, as a affordable for families and so on. And perhaps yeah. looking back, that was you know rather oversupplied and that led to a bit of a, a slump um, for a few years and of course overshot a little bit more with what we all lived through um, <laughs> with the pandemic and so on yeah again normally these cycles and the downsides are, are triggered by something we're not that's not on our radar it's something fairly uh, you know sharp and, yeah. and, and, and fierce but um, I think the third cycle is, is building is going to be built off the you know the value so dubai i think is still a, a fairly undervalued real estate market and it's also serviced um much better with data so when you've got Definitely. more data you're yeah. going to get much more informed um, decision. decisions and and people gonna, you're going to be less you're going to be pricing in less risk yeah. into that because you've got you know 15 15 years of good transactional data behind that decision Definitely. which obviously earlier in the cycle you, you you had to kind of guesstimate or yeah. take a punt or you know that, that was that was a, one of the things chance, yeah. that that did surprise me positively you know it was, it was a good thing was the amount of data transactional data you have available to you know you know looking other other markets it's mm. sometimes not available hidden very difficult to access even yeah. if you can't access it at all um, and I think that's also maybe a, a key characteristic why Dubai is so popular with investors is when you're making an investment, you yes, there's emotion involved because, but you look at the numbers, mm. you and know, and you have actual numbers there to look at. 
when presented in the in the right yeah. way, of course. But. And I think the I think the secondary portals or the the portals that exist that take the raw mm. transactional data from DLD, they're also offering the public and investors and clients much more targeted information. So it's you know we can start to look at things like you know total returns, income returns, capital gain as we would in other markets. So we can start to to make that comparative view on on how the real estate markets performed for investors, um, and and equally, uh, you know again another example with the data that we can you know I can look at transactions today that were done yesterday. It's you know in the UK you're you're waiting a few months. So there is. You know, it's caught up and overtaken some of the challenges historically. So, so as I said, I think in this third cycle, and I think what we're starting to see play out is Dubai is undervalued, and now I've got better data. I don't need to be so concerned about the volatility and the risk. Because transparency, transparency yeah. is, has dri will drive the the prices to be more uh, international, if we want to call it. And that. to tie that back to the question I asked before, um, in terms of you know, how Dubai looks at other markets. Presume that's probably a thing that they, they did look at another real estate markets and go, hang on a minute, that's potentially a downside, an issue, let's make it better. Yeah, and I, I, the government have been receptive to, to outside information. So one example in the transparency area is, is JLL. JLL do a, um, a global transparency index every two years and since 2004, Clearly, I've <laughs> put it in the book, but since 2004, they measure global markets and the Dubai government have listened to the to those milestones yeah. and they've addressed the 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 um, the challenges to move from a from an opaque to a semi transparent to a transparent market in a relatively short amount of time through the portals, through the open mm. data. So, again, a government that's receptive and, and listening to, you know, how can we make this a better uh, real estate market how, how can we govern it how can we regulate it how can we attract more interest yeah you know that's been very receptive so again it just ties in with that first part of having an op you know open-minded government yeah um, is, sure. is really important I think definitely yeah no for sure yeah. um so third question is talk me through the Dubai residential property cycle because you did touch on it then yeah so maybe just talk talk to it in a bit more depth and some dates as well, because a lot of listeners might say, actually, do you know what? Yeah, I I, I bought yeah. on that cycle. I you know I essentially lost on that cycle. So yeah. Yeah. So the so. The, the cycles, I, you know, as you said, the cycles that I spoke about predominantly on the residential side, um, we 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 we've only just started to really measure the commercial property cycle since you know the last five or six years. So yeah. it's a fairly uh, infantile um, amount of data. But the residential market is the one that catches the headlines. It's the one that we talk about more yeah. uh, socially. And and certainly I get asked, and I'm sure you do, a lot yeah. of questions <laughs> about where is it going. Um, so the first cycle, I mean, the, the the real pinching point and one of the motivations for, for putting the book together is, you know, we've got a 20-year history since uh, f foreign nationals have been permitted to buy real mm. estate here. So from, you know, from 2003, three four or 2002 three and four that was the um you know that was the real that was the real starting point for foreign investors here yeah um and the run-up in that in that first cycle was sharp and fast you know there was a lot of excitement and a lot of um aspiration built into the into the market 
we don't know what it would have looked like if we didn't have the financial crisis, but but we did have the financial crisis, yeah, and that sh- shook yeah. shook the market like it did, like any any of the other Globally, uh, global yeah. real estate markets, um, but recovered quite quickly. So towards the end of two thousand and ten, early two thousand and eleven is when you started to see um, renewed confidence. There were some things that were you know established and sorted out and smoothed out regionally, which again. A sort of anchor points to that resurgence uh and so from 2011 up until sort of 2014 again a fairly sharp mm. and quick increase so we've kind of seen a, a similar pattern recently where we have this fall we have this sh- economic shock although the one was financial and one was more uh well health-based <laughs> yeah. but it was there was a government you know unexpected <laughs> unexpected um thing it was more of an in a, a, a um, government-led lockdown it wasn't yeah. economic slump or uh, financial risk so there was these things that kind of triggered that and then you know bouncing back up so when sometimes when we look at the market we sort of we have we anchor ourselves to it's grown 35 percent and we don't take a wide lens look at the market and say actually we had a couple of years of uncertainty caused yeah. by factor x and 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 actually the growth rate's quite steady and stable so people who you know when we hear it's gone up 35 percent it can't can't go up any more than that yeah you sort of, a lot. of think it's a bubble you see then you start having the conversation yeah yeah is it a bubble um so i get asked that on yeah. a daily basis so we kind of you know we kind of get that that's that's kind of again because we didn't have the data to inform yeah and to see it was hard to evaluate and and the expo again was a big impetus in the market so towards the end of 2013 that that was announced and dubai was going to be the place where the whole world was going to come and fall in love with dubai and like with any announcement like that although it wasn't on the same scale as other mega events it has a it has an you know an impact on people's behavior and there was a lot of confidence in the market Mm. what called the market off because the government didn't want things to be as wild west as 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 an unregulated market was the um you know the mortgage caps that came in and the doubling of the uh, transfer fees that happened around that time to cool any speculation in the market because the market was getting carried away with itself um that's a that's that's kind of a hurdle to get over if you want to buy real estate but it also it also protects there's a protection element to that from the central bank so you know, you don't want to be in markets where, you know, you're putting 5% deposits, prices are, are wildly increasing, and then, you know, you lose you lose out because you got into the game late in the mm-hmm. day. So by putting down a, a bit of equity in, the, you know, in the market or more equity than other markets, there's a bit of a stabilization yeah. effect with that policy. So um, I, I wouldn't, I don't think that triggered the slowdown. I think more, it was more to do with, you know there were some economic issues there was an over a period of oversupply so again in those first two cycles um because the city had has you know has to grow it has to get to a critical mass it had population aspirations um as it does now there's a fierce amount of building that goes on to to create a city doesn't yeah. it so you, you're going to get from scratch in yeah, a you're going <laughs> to get oversupply <laughs> and uh, so obviously at periods of time that oversupply means prices slump and yeah 
people have cheaper rents and it's more affordable and then once that gets absorbed you go you enter another side i was having a conversation with a landlord um who brought in alpha jan um yep. three properties in, in alpha jan in 07 at the mm-hmm. peak uh before the awake yep, yep. crisis and he bought in 14 and, as well didn't he? Uh, yep he did <laughs> okay. yeah yeah Literally bought, <laughs> bought i know i know <laughs> and he said i've so he's got a mortgage on all three of okay. them and he said uh, he's literally just been paying off interest <laughs> okay. for since 2007 yeah, okay. and his, he's obviously now selling, but he's selling at a, a, a decent price. loss. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still a loss. Yeah, okay. still a loss in that area. I know, I know okay. other areas to Dubai may, may vary and he was just mm-hmm. like, I've just, so that, that, that's where I, I've started to understand, like, obviously speaking about the cycles, but actually seeing, having a conversation with someone mm. About who's bought in the cycle at the worst yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's but yeah, it's good, good it's sort fun. of anchor point to have and find out when he's buying next. Yeah. If he's buying, <laughs> let us know. I know that's a good point actually. But no, I think yeah. So then, uh, then you know, then there was a much steadier decline. So from top of two thousand and fourteen, uh, I I think it probably you know it got extended a bit with the pandemic. I think mm. I think Dubai would have come out a bit a bit more and. People were kind of asking the question, "What's Expo going to do?" It's not changed. That's how I first ha- um, heard about Dubai. Was yeah. Expo? Yeah. So you know, often when you know, often at the announcement, you get a big, you get euphoria, but it's actually the biggest price gains are at the end. So there's again data in the book mm. about about that fact. So it's looked at previous expos. It's measured this the importance of you know the the announcement of an expo, particularly in these young cities and. And mm. the fact that um, hosting something like the Expo is, is hugely beneficial for just urban planning and, and, and again, building new districts and not just attracting investment. Of course, um, yeah. And, you know, post post the Expo is, or is where you'd most likely see most of the price growth. And I mean, it's not just down to one factor, but of course, if you if you look back and you saw, well, we've kind of seen that, haven't we, with, with what's happened here. Sure, yeah. No, very interesting um next question is for investors which a lot of people who listen to this yeah. um and i speak to now as we called for are investor-based mm-hmm. um, i guess in fact investor-based also any end user is also well, an investor because they obviously want to increase the uh equity and value of the property um but how might investment in dubai property diversify their portfolio and what are some of the key drivers for investors Okay. So this is more, I guess, people who might have already have a place in Dubai or maybe somewhere else in the world, mm-hmm. and they're doing it purely for investment terms. Yeah, I, th- I, I put this chapter together at the end of residential to kind of because again, it there's a lot of information or there's a lot of discussion. I don't know how far these discussions go. I sometimes answer questions and walk away. <laughs> I never find out what people have done with that information. But yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to put a chapter together that kind of looked at that objectively looked at the fact that you know what are what are the credible benefits of investing in Dubai if if you want to diversify because mm. of course we all I think when I first came here it was very much the head the mindset was a home bias you know yeah I'll work here I'll send okay. some money home I'll save a deposit for a house wh- whatever the reason it was I mean I don't think it was just the circle of friends that I had. I think that was generally people didn't see it as home. Yeah, so it was very much the the attention was on was on the the home country, yeah. uh, and kind of um, fast forward the saving to to get a deposit in in the home market. I think 
would be a, f a fair generalization. Um, obviously, the f the issue when you do that, if you if, if you know, again, if I if if I keep with our um, home country, you know, the UK market, you've got you've got various things that can can go wrong if you put all your money in in one market, like the currency, like the performance sure. of the um, the real estate market. Although the UK has been doing well, the purchasing power to buy internationally is has been completely foregone with the currency issues. So mm. there's various um, uh, rational reasons for why you'd want to, as an expat who perhaps doesn't know where their final I don't mean. That's, I mean, I, I don't mean where they're going to die. I just no, mean no, the final I'm destination's going to be. I'm in that position. Like me, me yeah. and my wife are here. We've moved here. Yeah. I can't see us leaving for years and years and years. Yeah. But everyone I speak to, I had a conversation last night. We went out for dinner. Who said the same thing? Like, mm. he, he said, "Oh, I might end up in Croatia." Or stuff, but I'm here. Like, everyone seems to like love Dubai, but like, but I will end up at the end. But yeah, you know, maybe that's something that so will change. you know it's a dollar it's a dollar, dollar denominated currency you're investing isn't it the dirham is pegged to the dollar so yeah. you've got that that's a a fairly strong currency to be investing and having uh support you know there's that you're you're investing into the fact that dubai's a growing economy and maybe the shift of economic power is going to be moving more towards the middle east away from europe and therefore if you have got all your equity in in a more traditional location mm missing out on on the growth and development that new markets offer um of course real estate you can't diversify it very well like we can in in stocks and bonds yeah, because different. you need to be super rich and <laughs> super wealthy to do that but um there are mechanisms now particularly for younger uh well our generation <laughs> still i'm not that old but young, <laughs> younger investors who want to kind of enter dubai there's yeah you can buy fractional uh, uh, stakes in in um, in real estate, so you can buy as, with as little as five hundred dirhams or a thousand dirhams. Yeah, it's not going to make you super rich, but it gives you an exposure to a new market. You can kind of enter that, test the water, test the water, yeah, and, and perhaps use that vehicle to save for the deposit to buy your first investment mm. or something like that. Um, you know, DLD has the fractional title deed. You know, four people could. Can invest here so there are more affordable ways so one of the you know the chapter started off by saying let's get over the affordability issue of dubai you know this is kind of if you if you want to invest here these are some numbers behind mm. you know how much you need to put aside the you know the propensity to save i know it sounds boring but if no, we want to achieve uh, a bit of financial leverage ourselves we've got to sacrifice a bit of our income today to, to invest in the future so it's it's looking at that that element, um, but also I looked at some key communities: Business Bay, JVC, Downtown, Palm Palm Jumeirah, to see how it performed over as far back as I could go, which was sort of ten good years of, yeah. of price performance, so twenty twelve to twenty twenty two. How would that have compared as a as a price uh, gain versus other more typical expat yeah. uh, investments? You know, stocks and bonds, ETFs, that kind of thing. So there was an outperformance in in some of those stronger communities over that period of time, but as I've just explained, you you kind of you know bottom and top of the market yeah. uh, with that analysis. So I think the the chapter doesn't try and say like every time you buy here you're going to do well. It's just course, picks up yeah. on the essence of you know spread your bets. Dubai's got a great business plan behind it. If you are an expat here with a a sh medium to long term vision 
you'd probably do quite well definitely of, of just having something it's basic no, uh, behind you basic investor principles when you yeah. know i've got investments i'm i'm sure i'm sure you have and i, I have i am diversified mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's having those basic principles of you know not just looking at the short-term gains but you know the five ten fifteen years yeah and i know for me again we're probably both biased being in in dubai but yeah. you know if you look at the data in the book that you've written yeah again depends on on the area and you can't say this but i just can't see like i mean the city it, the city so oh with no. rents and the price gain over fi- uh, fi- 14 or 15 years it's a long it's a long long term sort of annualized 11 11 percent or 11 and a half percent return on your on your money so which is if you've got the emotional like any investment if you've got the emotional control yeah yeah and the discipline and the, and the plan to say this is why i'm going to invest here often people ask should i buy they're trying to think oh someone's made 30 percent i should have bought because i would have made 30 percent. it's not the right headspace you've got to go and say look rational rational thing you know this is how much we can afford this is what we might go for and it might be that you start off you know fairly low and have a a small investment property and, and and that offsets some of your other investments elsewhere i mean it does it is all everyone's situations you know different but those basic principles still apply i think people think to buy something is this like obviously it's amazing and an incredibly growing place but Mm. the the basic fundamentals of investment still apply yeah 100 yeah Yeah. agree so um next one is i want to uh go in yeah so i kind of this is one thing i want to cover is the um professional practices of real estate in dubai currently which you cover in chapter six um how do you view the current state of the professional world of broker slash brokerages in dubai at the moment okay no i think yeah so the professional practices element of the book was to focus in on some key parts of um you know the regulation in the market and the fact that yeah there's still audiences of people that are unfamiliar with you know, leasing practices and and, and buying and selling it's very processes. different. Aren't we? <laughs> um, so again, it was laying the foundations to all, to all of that. I think again, it all comes back to regulation and controlling mm. industries and building confidence. And um, you know, the the you know the brokerage licensing that that's obviously been established is one is one way to do that. Um, and I think you know, un- unfortunately, uh, as a, as an industry it's and this one you know governments can't do a lot about it it's just the nature of of the profession is you know it's a fairly low barrier to entry industry in the sense of yeah as we see now people are turning from different um skill sets industries jobs and they all want to become real estate brokers because that's where <laughs> some of the money in Dubai yeah. is, um, <laughs> i've heard so you know that means that there's a lot of competition but i th- you know you kind of would you kind of would then offset that with the fact that you know there are there are some um it takes time in like it does in any market to build up a client a good client base a loyal client base build trust yeah uh, build a reputation and possibly if you if if someone analyzed the sort of um you know the top the top uh, number of transactions per brokerage you know it's going to be lopsided isn't it? it's not going to be it's not evenly distributed oh, across no. The three thousand <laughs> brokers that are all in Dubai. So, um, I think that yeah, I think they're doing as much as they can. There's, there's got to have regulation. There's mm. got to be um, sort of a, a code of ethics. Some, some, and and but customers these that you know they're all 
they're all kind of waking up to the fact that you know I can get data. Um, they've got more, you know, so they've got con- more control. Tr- yeah, in that process. It's been especially in compared to, compared to other markets. Mm. They, which, which I think is right. Mm. You know, they should be making informed decisions, not based upon just one broker's mm. word or a broker's mm. word. Like they should be able to see the data because it's I think it's yeah. their money. Yes, you want to trust the person you're working with, and that's mm-hmm. that's fundamental. But yeah, they should be able to. But our, see it. most really people's good. experience in the real estate industry is 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 the interaction they have with brokers. So it's kind of what they're the um, first protocol, the first yeah. part of the you know, and and um, so having that trust and having that those qualification courses and having brokers up to speed with what the current legislations mm. are, so that they could advise um, customers is 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 good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like any industry. There's and and now now we're starting to see brokers wanting to differentiate themselves. So if you look at you know how do you, how yeah, do podcasts. you get competitive <laughs> <laughs> doing podcasts? Um, you know how do you get competitive advantage? What do you, what's how are you differentiating yourself? Um, yeah. How are you you know how are you building those longer term relationships? And and I th- I, I think um, yeah, there's there's certainly more to be done uh, in in any industry mm. so real estate agencies is no is no different but um i think yeah the what what's how the agents are developing their own business models as well as the regulation i think is, is improved vastly since definitely it's, it's always evolving i mean look, look what we're doing now you know i don't know five years ago like would this have been a thing i don't know i'm, I'm sure there know. were one or two in the, in the market but you know yeah. it's, it's building it's building the trust and giving the value mm. so they feel that they can trust you just beyond the commission check mm. and it was that that's, that's kind of what i whenever i speak to clients it's like yeah I, I you know i want to have your best interest at heart always first and mm. if that happens you typically i don't know it, it does not as in real estate but just in any industry if you do the right thing mm. over a long enough period of time it compounds and yeah good comes back to you whether that's financially fulfillment whatever that is yeah um yeah so i, I think we're definitely on the same page yeah with that but that. the but the uh, you know so so the agency and brokerage is one side then there's the valuation you know how how is that that market regulated mm. how do we even look at the um different assets here um some ele- yeah. some elements on commercial practices as well so a whole range of different fields to cover but trying to pick up on them the more interesting ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, it's, it's yeah. really it's it's a it's fascinating because it's not just opinion it's it's this is what i was saying before i was showing mm. in the book it's like there's the, you can see the physical data. This is why it's so good for end users to mm. to pick up this book and read it as as, as well. But just because it's almost it is the textbook. It's yeah. it's almost it's like when I need to know something now, I'm referring back to this mm. book. It's that's I don't I don't know how you you designed it to be used, but that's how yeah. I've used it even over the last you know few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think I tried to get you know there's there was so I've you know I've been teaching and uh, teaching in an academic institution. Mm since I came here in 2009 um, as well as of you know having conversations with with sort of the graduate level um, surveyors as well so you kind of get an idea of from their perspective you know and that there's a that there was an audience there that's wanted to know more have it you know you've got you've got graduates still coming from other markets and and getting yeah. getting jobs here who aren't up to speed with lots with, of head around with, with <laughs> everything but also the eight you know just uh, you know a master's program or a university degree isn't isn't for everyone and mm. you know if you if you wanted to find out more about dubai real estate 
you should be able to just have something uh, available. So that was one of the motivations, you know, yeah, for the sure. agents to have a bit of a working uh, manual knowledge. Almost, yeah, it's uh, well, a manual. You can call it what you want: <laughs> Bible, or textbook, manual, manual Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that would that, and then the the investors, you know, those people that said, "Should I buy here?" Should you know, yeah, just yeah. there's the information. I'm not. Again, there's a disclaimer in there about there's no bias in it. It's always, yeah. <laughs> whatever financial decisions you make by reading this book, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. So it's a, you know what what is the price? So uh, away from the headlines, you know what? How has Dubai done as a city mm. if you'd have invested? So we, we I spoke a little bit about you know the eleven and a half percent, but the price swings aren't as obviously the growth over the long term is is much more subdued around sort of three or four percent, which is more you know again it's taking a mean a mean average but it's yeah it's more that's how, how you should look at the market definitely you know don't buy it thinking next year it's going to be 20 percent or 30 yeah. percent because you're just going to be disappointed Come, comes out to the basic principles yeah. also that we that we said i mean if it goes up 20 percent well done, <laughs> plan for plan yeah for less. yeah anything else is a bonus yeah um so number seven are you better to own or lease in the dubai property market at the moment uh, and what's the upside and downside of both? Okay, I, I presented this kind of analysis more on the commercial because I wanted to move away from just talking yeah, yeah. residential all the time. Um, whew, I haven't got, you know, again, I look at it as an appraisal. I look at it, you know, and again, none, it's with the best intentions in the world to map out and say you're better off. Of course, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, buying today or, or renting. Case by you're, case. you're taking current information that may not materialize in the future um but i think lo again long long term or even moderate term you're better off buying yeah, um, yeah you know it doesn't take that many you know in the early years when you know you could get a return a, an income return of about 10 percent you know you're not waiting that long to get your money back even if mm. even if things went wrong and if things did better, you've even shorter windows. So probably people who are buying in the early years, you know, they're getting high, you know, 15, 16% returns if they've if they've kept those investments and haven't cashed out. Yeah. So that's <laughs> they're they're good solid reasons. I mean, I, again, um, I, I, I've said on other podcasts, I, I'm a bit. I look at things a bit more from a utility perspective. That's why it's interesting. That's um, why I find it because most people I I do they on a data basis yeah. like don't so it's what's really i really enjoying yeah so i don't try it's just different perspectives I, it's an opportunity you know what what you what you're not paying it what you're paying on a mortgage can be fairly fixed although rates move and mortgages yeah, move, yeah course, you're yeah. fixing your future costs uh that that was a motivation for entering the market Definitely. in the first place is that i can fix my cost and if the market goes as wild as what it was before i'm okay yeah so, and, and again that's a utility i'm not looking at you know and, and then i'm getting the you know i'm getting the location that i want to live in and i'm there's also more, fixing that there's more elements to it than yeah. just you know especially if it's yeah. your family home and yeah. other conversation so, on the episode one with connor from the mortgage he was saying one question i put to him was someone sent in was about our mm. mortgage rates going to drop all that sort of stuff mm. it's like if it's your family home it's like it's more than just the yes you want it to be a good investment yeah. obviously but it's more than just the money as well if that's where you're going to stay for 10 or 15 mm. years like None of us know how long we're going to They tend not to make know. the best investments your home because as you exactly, say, the motivations are different. It's different. It's the KPIs that we're measuring it on are completely different. Yeah, it's, it's um, more emotional. Yeah. So you're buying, you're buying it for various other factors that may or may not be financially as sensible yeah. as 
buying for the highest highest return Definitely. on your on your uh, capital and so on. So I you know I always advocate you know but if you can buy and you buy and you want to be here and you feel you know this is somewhere that you'd want to be placed and, and invest then of course buying does make more sense yeah, i agree uh, rent is 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 kind of like lost money at the end of that that's term, that's so. how i was always taught as a kid um you know even my dad said you know renting again you're burning bur- burning money there's the place, yeah. the place to do it and yeah. it, you, know, you can't not even can afford to buy yeah but i think i think it's buying buying with buying with a plan and but and buying you know sense sensibly and not obviously yeah uh, you know buying something that is is kind of to comes back to the principles again we again yeah, the yeah, in, same principles of, of you know invest start off like don't go all in yeah to begin with you know see Definitely. how it works as an investment um you know i've met i've met people that are f- knowledgeable and and educated you know they've bought one year they've sold within 18 months and i'm like surely you can't have <laughs> and this isn't this isn't on the high end this isn't on yeah, the increase. Yeah. this is on the the four so i'm like sh- sh- surely that surely the reason why you bought 18 months ago hasn't materially changed no. for you to just sell so again it's if you don't have a plan to anything it unravels and and i think that's what's ha- you know it happens with any investment doesn't it yeah. there's a whole series of things i could rattle off where people have bought just because you got to hold your nerve a lot of times yeah, well, they wanted to sense. they wanted to get it but uh yeah i think buying works you know there's a few sort of basic appraisals to that renting also works i mean renting is a is a good option if if you want to obviously keep flexible of course yeah. um you want you don't you want to try an area you know you don't want to be buying straight away do you because you try don't know what that area is yeah try for <laughs> so there's various reasons why you would want to rent as well it's again it's it's personal to mm. to different circumstances that people are in definitely completely agree um so you mentioned property valuations so what are some of the key differences in valuing property in dubai compared to other international markets okay i'm going to turn the question to start off with the similarities yeah there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm going to answer the questions i want to answer <laughs> um no i mean the methods are the same there's five, five key methods to valuing all real estate whether that's residential or commercial and industrial and the, and obviously the most common one that you and I would uh, sort of face would be, you know, the comparative method and the investment method. So mm-hmm. looking at transactions and looking yep. at prices that other people have paid historically, and and that's how valuers are kind of looking at things. So now we've got better data sets, then, you know, that whole process is fairly s- similar to other markets. Yep. Um, early on in the development of Dubai, you know, valuers had to make a lot of assumptions and do a lot of legwork to find qualified information behind their assumptions in their in their valuation reports i mean even even the book starts to look at the future of valuation you know the fact that yeah. we're probably at a point now where we can have some level of aut- autonomous valuations here so that you know all the risk elements of that banks take on when they value you know the villas and the flats that people leverage yeah. on can be done behind the scenes and they can click a button and see where that exposure is Definitely. and hopefully that leads to better product for customers so when the risk is compressed because we've got a longer track record and we've got better data then normally well i would hope that there's a more diversity in in the products that we can get offered as Definitely. as customers whether that's first time buyers or end users yeah. uh, we start to see segregation in the in the way in which banks are classifying 
different customers, which mm. we don't see, we haven't seen so much of that. And you mentioned the five things when valuing. I again, five methods. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've 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 read the book. So, the book, yeah. but just for the listeners, just quickly rattle off the five. Well, there's the comparative. So the, there's the comparative method, which is you know based on what I said. You know, someone's paid two mm -hmm. million last week for the same unit, so yeah. logic would prevail that it's two million today. Uh, the investment method is based off a of cash flow, so it's more more for like single owned buildings or. Uh, you know, commercial entities, industrial units, and yeah. so on, where where there's a there's a lease in place, a longer a longer term lease, a commercial agreement that says this is how much we're going to uh, receive on this income, and then investors come along and say, you know, this is the this is the type of return I want on that. This is how I see the risk, so I'm willing to pay this much yeah. for that property. So there's the relationship between rent yield and capital value. Um, then you have the residual method, which is um, a method that is for valuing land. So land and development opportunities. Um, again, we can cross-check it with the comparative method, but principally there's a method there whereby you're kind of looking at what the, what the building is going to be worth in the future, how much it's going to cost to build it, and then a bit on developer's profit. And then you know what, whatever's left, the residual balance is essentially the land value or the, or the likely land value, an estimate of the land value price um, then we have the profit method which is more of a re re uh, revenue based assessment of of the property so the things around us the hotels the leisure you know the uh, sp sports arenas the um, cinemas yeah. even petrol stations and so on would be valued using a profit method schools right, a yeah. lot of the schools are private aren't they yeah so um, <laughs> schools would be another example um, and then the last one is is the cost method so course cost and value aren't aren't aligned in, in in most in most instances but some assets that exist like government-owned buildings or mm. religious buildings we're not trading them they don't we don't we don't have an income off them so to speak yeah. they more they have more social value but we need to put a a value on there we'd use the cost method which is you know land plus build cost plus depreciation the building's older <laughs> yeah in, in a very quick and no, 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 again, they're, the, they're the five methods of i know there's a lot more that goes into yeah. that it's just just quite good to get in a <laughs> in a brief yeah so yeah, that's how we sure differentiate those valuation methods um the phd that i did i mean in the introduction you said i'd, I'd got a doctorate in property valuation <laughs> which which is true you're not lying <laughs> uh, but the study was looking at how valuers um the variation between valuers in the commercial property sector here um, are they faced with the challenge of, of uh, are the values more varied or, or wider in mm. a market like Dubai versus a more mature market where you've got better data and better transparency? Yeah. And what's, what would create those differences? Um, okay. So that study tried to examine at the time, sort of it was sort of between 2015 to 2018 or 19. So it was a fairly well-established um, property data market, but not as good it is, as mm. it is today so it's starting to get a bit of discussion behind uh, behind those things interesting yeah so, so that's, that's good i like those five those that, that that's one thing when when, when I, I was noted down as well because okay. obviously that's part of what i do yeah um so i knew obviously elements of them but i say seeing them written down that form was really 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 good um so it's probably the, the last last question we're gonna have time for um and i want to talk about the future of dubai Okay. which you speak about towards the end. And I think it's very important for people who 
like a like me looking to stay here long term yeah um but also from an investment perspective there's people who have the right principles in place who understand the medium to long-term gains um so let's talk about dubai as a futuristic smart city okay where do you see this place developing real estate wise over its next 50 years and i know you don't have a, have a crystal ball but yeah. based upon historic data that you've done but where do you see yeah, I, tr- I try. Yeah, I try. As you say, the, f- the final two chapters are like future directions. I think mm-hmm. I termed it. So, you know, what's going to be? Uh, how is Dubai going to evolve further in the future? So, there was two main forces: there's sustainability, which you you could kind of link into the smart city yeah. element as well, and and then sure. also the development of of smart Dubai. So, um, in terms of, I mean, just very quickly on the sustainability side of things, you know, D- Dubai is a fairly young city as i mean we've established its growth and development is mm. is a much shorter history than many of the countries that yeah well other we'll countries you, yeah. yeah especially the one that we're from um the evolution on sustainability the opportunity is that there's an esg compliant uh mandate globally and and of course dubai has an opportunity because it doesn't have to deal with the retrofitting problem that many other markets have yeah um, you know things like ICD Brookfield Place, a, a good com- a good example of a a well thought out and well planned commercial tower that has attracted, you know, the best multinational tenants. They're going to be the investment product that institutional money internationally will want to to buy into mm-hmm. in the future. So it's likely to see that the green agenda, sustainability, you know, lead platinum, well certified buildings will be what those institutions are hunting in in markets like. Uh, Dubai because of course linking back to one of those valuation methods everything is cash flow plus yeah. risk premium and they're likely that's likely to be and that more favored if if we've got the buildings that companies want to occupy because the um, same the same because I yeah. um, my parents came out to Dubai for the first time yep. they're the last people you ever expect to visit Dubai okay by the way and they one my mum she's very big on nature and sustainability yep. eco-friendly yep. that sort of stuff and uh her perception was Dubai. What are they doing for sustainable? What are they cycling? All, all that sort of stuff. And it yeah. made me research a lot more. Yeah. And even I, living here, didn't realize how let's say far ahead because everyone's trying to get there. Obviously, different people move different races, but how mm. the, the 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 plan for it and what they already have in place, I I didn't appreciate even living here. Yeah. Um. So just just last few minutes, maybe just touch on a few of what Dubai is actually doing sustainability. It's very important. Well, a lot of the a lot of the you know, I mean. So, recently last week you know about the, the the beaches the public beaches the you know the spaces that are being yeah. opened up for for the residents and the social spaces and the amount of green spaces that are planned for mm. for here are, are important i mean i think the sunshine and the blue sky helps with a backdrop of green i think it's the perfect formula <laughs> so you need more green space in cities yeah. people are receptive to to green space uh, it makes people happier apparently yeah. Makes I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. But uh, yeah, so those things are all, all valid reasons, you know, bringing, having more social infrastructure again. Um, and, you know, the way in which we move around the city is different to other cities because of the climate, but it's all planning in a, in a, you know, again, having the city mapped out in its zone so mm. that we're not building too sparse. A lot of people say there's so much desert around. Well, there is, but we're not building that desert at the moment. We're yeah. trying to keep things within a in a fair distance. And I think, you know, the 15-minute city concept is, is where most 
again, smart cities are trying to yeah. adhere to that you don't need to go further than 15 minutes to, to get everything that you need in your life, which, again, isn't isn't too far off in most of the, the fact that Dubai is That's sort of polycentric. There isn't a, a one core city centre. There's multiple nodes. That's the other thing I think um, people don't realise that. There, there yeah. isn't really a... People maybe class the marina, you know, near yeah. the, the Palmas, the... They're the tourist hotspots yeah, and tourist downtown, hotspot. but yeah. it's not a city. And with, even with the communities, like Sample said, I live out in Silicon, within a five minute walk of our apartment block. Everything I can eat, got restaurants, Mao, yep. petrol station, like everything. And that content I've seen replicated, and I've obviously been, you know, being a broker, you see lots of areas of Dubai. I can see how that's been replicated. It's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also the, the fact that, you know, the digit digital you know technology breaks down that traditional travel problem that most cities face and, yeah. and if you take that on a global level which i think we have to view it more global now is attracting that talent to mm. come to dubai of course so keeping the main you know keeping your eye on chapter one you know what what did how did dubai become such a focal point for global real estate through economic diversification and then chapter 12 finishes off by trying to see what what is the government doing to sustain that and move that i wouldn't say not exponentially but at a at an f- even faster pace and and the digital connectivity with dubai and the th- even the trading of real estate and doing things you know the ease of the transaction and yeah you know uh dealing with that side of things it's going they're all going to be things that dubai want to pioneer it all feeds back in, into one yeah. um now it's been an absolute fascinating conversation it's yep. uh I've learned a ton. Obviously, I've I've read most of that. I've learned an absolute ton. Um, but for the listeners, be- be- before we leave today, where can they find you? Where's okay. best to connect with you? Most of my connectivity online is through LinkedIn. So yes. uh, Dr. Michael Waters, I'm assuming I'm the only one, <laughs> uh, is probably the best yeah, yeah. search for that in LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, happy to connect and, and thank you for having me on the podcast. No, so well said, we'll leave a, a link down below to your LinkedIn, yep. any other social posts you have, and to go and get the book off Amazon most, as well. Yeah, most local uh, purchases have been done on Amazon, I think. Yeah. Uh, so Amazon is is one area. You can buy it directly from the publishers. Uh, so Rootledge is the Brilliant. publisher. Um, so either of those platforms would be... Would be we will leave that link down below. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and tuning into the Buy Real Estate Club podcast. Make sure to check our next episode where we bring in, again, answering your real-life scenarios in the buy real estate market so you get the answers from a trusted source that you're looking for. We break down their thought process as well. All right, thanks so much and looking forward to tuning in next week.